0: morning! It is great to be here with all of you this morning. Man, I love the fact that we can gather again on a Sunday. What is Sunday, church? Sunday Sunday is our fun day because we gather as his children and sing praises to him who changes everything, right? Come on. Man. Woo! Bring it some more. Come on. Hey, listen, if you're joining us online, good morning to you as well. We're absolutely crazy in this room. You're missing a whole lot, let me just tell you. But we love the fact that we can reach you with the message of hope no matter where you are. The gospel's hitting your ears this morning. We love that. We love that we can do that. Right, church? Yeah. And if you're a guest with us this morning, you're new with us this morning, welcome. Welcome to Vertical. Maybe you didn't think you're walking a whole bunch of crazy this morning. Come on, let's give it up for a gift. We love Jesus around here if you haven't figured that out. All right, he changes everything. He's a part of what we're doing. We we love the fact that you were here. We love the fact that you came to join us this morning. You didn't maybe you just stepped outside your front door and you're blown right into our front door. I don't know. It was pretty crazy out there. Um but we hope that today you feel the love of God in your life. You realize that how much he loves you personally through his son Jesus Christ. Uh, because we celebrate Jesus all the time around here. Um, You know, next week we're gonna be stepping into a new series. Next week you're stepping into our Christmas series. Yeah, come on. Three people are excited for Christmas. (laughs) Now that Thanksgiving has passed, we turn our and focus on one of our biggest celebrations of the year, and that is Christmas. And the series we're stepping into this year is Who Needs Christmas? Who needs Christmas? And what we're going to be doing, that's the question we're going to be answering for the next three weeks because there's so much truth about Christmas, so much history, so much of God's planning and his purposes that comes through the Christmas that we celebrate as his church, that when it comes this time of year, sometimes we don't slow down and focus in on those things. We kind of blow past it and, and celebrate. So what we're going to do, we're going to walk through three weeks, who needs Christmas? Was it for and who needs it in their lives? And wait, that kicks off next week. Speaking of Christmas, has anybody heard this thing called Christmas in our hometown? Yeah. All right. Christmas on. That's coming up this Friday, right? This Friday? Yeah. Okay. I make sure I got my dates right. I have no idea what day it is. Uh, Friday, December 2nd, Friday. This is what we start. We created this whole thing for, to connect to our community. It's going to be the front seven acres of our lawn, and it's going to be all these vendors, food trucks, people. I want to encourage you to Come. Be a part of the celebration. Be a part of the process. One of our things as we continue to move forward as a church is to prosper where we're planted. And that means we're digging our fingers into the soil of our community, making a difference for Jesus Christ. And this is one way we're going to do that. It's hopefully the first of many years to come. And I hope it grows and grows and grows. And let it be something that God can use to connect people to Jesus. Amen? Amen. So that's this Friday. It's supposed to be nice. Come. All right. Well, today... Today we step into our current series and we wrap things up in this series titled, The Best is Yet to Come. The Best is Yet to Come. I shared with you, church, as we stepped into this series, it was a hope of mine, it was a prayer of mine, that through this series, this phrase would become so much more than than something you hear me say on a Sunday morning, so much more that you're reading on a screen. It was my hope and prayer that when you see this phrase, this phrase becomes a vision for you in life, that you understand for your life the best is yet to come. It was my hope and prayer that when you see this, this becomes a vision for our church, that the best is yet to come for Vertical Church, a vision for you and a vision for us, and that God would purpose inside of each and every one of you to step into the next season of life, the next season of ministry, and commit to be a part of what He's about to do. That's been my hope and prayer as we walk into this series. And each week we've been focusing on what's in our bags. Everybody bring your bags this morning? You remember them? They weren't to put your leftovers from Thanksgiving, okay? Right, you probably think like, hey, can you fill this up so I can take it home? No, no, no. Our bags, this bag represents our lives. And starting week one, we took this bag and we tipped it upside down. I said, there's things in our lives, there's things in our bags that need to get out. Things in our bags that are holding us down. Things in our lives that are holding us back from what God wants us to do as individuals and God, what God wants to do for us through us as a church. And we tipped them upside down. And I told you to shake them because there's things in our bags we've been holding on to for so many years. We're afraid to let go and we need to get rid of them. And all those things start hitting the bag. And every week we've been stomping on them with the truth of the gospel, the truth of God's word, saying, You don't belong in here. And then once our bags have been empty, we started taking the truth of the word and putting it into our lives. The best is yet to come because of who God is and His greatness. And what he's setting up about to do in our lives, and what he's getting ready to do in, in this church, to do a kingdom difference that's more than you and I can ever ask or imagine. The best he has to come kind of recap for the first three weeks, the, the best he has to come because God is still powerful. The God is still powerful. God is so powerful. He's so, one way he reveals his powers, he keeps his promises you could show that if you would Should, keeps his promises. And we walked through the idea of how he is faithful in his planning and walked through all those kind of things. Then we walked to week two, said the best yet to come because God is, is still moving. Yeah. Right? Our lives are messy in the middle. I don't think I need to say that, but I'm going to say it again. Our lives are messy in the middle. Yeah. And it's in the middle where we see God moving in some amazing ways, and God is still moving. The God, he's still moving in the middle, and we understand this, and when we come to understand what he's doing in the background, we may not see it or feel it, we move because we live by faith, not by sight. That each and every one of us have a marked out race for us, and no matter what we feel, no matter what's going through our lives, we keep moving forward because God is still moving forward. And then last week we talked about God, the best is yet to come because God is still gracious. God's grace is endless. God's grace is endless. It has the power to set us free and has the power to keep us free. But God's grace doesn't end with us. It doesn't stop with us. That God has called us and rescued us to be rescuers. Right now, there are people in our lives that need the truth, right? They need that truth to hit their bags and into their lives that God is gracious there are people in our lives that, that if they didn't accept Jesus and they were died today, they would spend in a place turning into a place called hell. That's horrible. Yes. Make clear God's the one who rescues. Amen. He called us to be rescuer to throw out the gospel, throw out the gospel, share the gospel, share the gospel, share the gospel. The best you have come because God is still gracious. We're called to share the message hope that Jesus changes everything. And today we, we close this down with one last truth that needs to hit the bags of our lives and echo in our ears for the days to come. The best is yet to come because God is still victorious. Come on. The best is yet to come because God is still victorious. God is still what? Come on. God is still victorious. And when you read your Bible, church, read your Bibles. When you read your Bible, you know that God wins. Yeah, when you read your Bible, you get to the end, you're like, okay, my God is victorious. It has been written, it has been proclaimed that God is victorious. You know, growing up, I, I played a bunch of sports. I was what you'd call a classic jock. I would follow my my dad's footsteps. He was too. I played a whole bunch of sports all through from kids growing up to graduate through high school. Um, Things have changed since then. (laughs) Now I just basically watch football on Sunday afternoons. Um, But if you've ever been to a sports game, you've ever been to a, a sporting event, you know there's a difference between the teams that are winning and the teams that are losing, isn't there? There's a difference. You can notice, you can feel the difference between the team that has experienced victory and those who've experienced defeat, right? You know what the indicator is? You know what the indicator is? The sound. The, di- the indicator is the sound. Church Victory has a sound. When you go to a sports game, victory has a sound. People are are crazy loud. It becomes deafening. It becomes all-consuming. It becomes overwhelming, the sound that we see in victory, and it becomes so infectious that people want to be a part of what is going on. That's why in the professional sports world, you have what they call bandwagon fans, right? Right? Teams start winning a couple of Super Bowls like, yo, I'm gonna be a Tom Brady fan. Stop it. No one ever be a Tom Brady fan. <laughs> Victory is so so infectious. I can't believe I said that. <laughs> oh shoot. You never you never know what's gonna come out of this mouth. Victory has a sound and it's loud. Like I said, it's consuming. It's infectious. It's full of energy. Well, defeat also has a sound. It's a sound of silence. No one, no one is ever going on cheering in defeat, like, all right, we lost! (laughs) No one ever has. How many times have you been to a game, or you're watching a game, And the crowd is going wild because their team is winning. You are hooting and hollering. They're yelling. They're screaming. We got this in the bag, baby. And everybody's just going nuts. You're going nuts in your living room as you're watching the football game. And as the game goes on, your team's score gets a little bit closer to yours. And then it gets a little bit closer to yours. And then it gets a little bit closer to yours. And it's coming down to the end of the game. And then there's this play that you never saw coming and you lose. What happens? The stadium goes silent. You go silent. You're like, "What did I just witness?" You're shocked. You're lost for words. Defeat has a sound. And the sound is silence. Let me just tell you, church, there is no defeat in your God. Right? There is no defeat in your God. Defeat has a sound and it's silence, but victory has a sound as well, man. And it's crazy loud. Yeah. And because it's true, because it's written right here in this book that God is victorious, the church, we who say yes to Jesus Christ, can no longer be silent. That's right. We should not be silent. We should be like, oh, geez, I can't believe things are happening. No, our God wins. Yeah. Why? Because victory has a sound. Are you with me, church? Yeah. All right, let's get in this. Open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're starting off at verse 4 this morning. 1 Samuel 17, verse 4. If you grabbed a Bible this morning on the way in, the orange Bible, you will find it on page 195, 195. This morning, we're stepping into a story that most of us in the church have heard before. And we're also stepping into a story that I believe, if you've never walked in church, maybe this is the first time you stepped into a church, and you're like, what, what's, this, what's going to be talked about? And I say the words, David and Goliath, and you're like, oh yeah, I've heard of them right? It's one of those stories that echoes over generations, echoes over people if you're part of Christ's Church or not. This is a story that we're all familiar with. And this morning we're stepping in having this conversation with, about David and Goliath, and as we're going to slow down to first Samuel, we'll see that there's a war that had broken out. There was a war between the Philistines and the war and God's people, Israel, right His peeps. And there was a war going on. They're all lining up for battle, and in the middle was a valley, and that was the dividing line between the two. So if you have your Bibles open, your Bible apps, you can see it in 1 Samuel 17, where you're starting at verse 4 this morning. It says, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out from the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod. Its iron point weighed 600 shekels, and his, silver, his shield-bearer went ahead of him. In verse 8, Goliath stood up and shouted at the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. And on hearing this, On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul, which was the king, and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Let's just stop right there for a moment. I have read this passage many times over the years, over and over again. But as I started digging in for this conversation months ago and started to study it deeper, I find it very, very interesting the amount of detail that was given about the warrior of the enemy. That was a crazy amount of detail. That he was actually, if you break those numbers down, that he was actually 9 foot 9 inches tall. That he was strong enough to wear armor that weighed over 125 pounds. That was just his upper area. That his, his, the head of his spear weighed 15 pounds. I mean, come on. If you were to break this up and draw this all out, this dude was intimidating. He was big. He was a brute force. His presence was overwhelming. His shouts of defiance, man, caused the king of God's people and all the God's people who showed up to fight for their Lord to shrink back in fear. And if you continue reading later on, what do we know about David? He was this little shepherd boy who showed up. See, I believe that God lays this out like this on purpose. Why? Because we all have giants in our lives. Every single one of us in this room, we have giants in our lives. And when the Goliaths stand before us, we have this horrible tendency to focus solely on their details the details of the problem, the details of what's in front of us, and we magnify them in our minds until the doubt of any kind of victory can be seen before us. We all have them. They step into our lives, and they overshadow what God has for us in life, and they overshadow what God has for us as a church. So as we walk through this understanding, the best is yet to come because God is too victorious. And we want to stand in victory with our Lord. It starts with us knowing this first, we need to recognize the real giants. We need to recognize the real giants in our lives. We may think we know what they are or have known what they are, but it's time for us to really recognize them and call them out. We have giants who are before us. Let's put a finger on what they are and call them out and let them meet the creator of the universe. Is it the past pain? Someone hurts you and you're still holding on to it. Is it fear of moving forward? Like you're, you, you've been you've trying to move forward in the past and you had some failure so you're afraid to take a step forward to try something new, to try something different. Do you walk through life doubting yourself? You're just filled with all this doubt that you can never have victory ready. And so you double down on your doubt and it just echoes in your mind. Maybe it's a lack of understanding whose you are, that you're a child of the God who is still victorious. Maybe it's not knowing the true character of God Himself. The God that you desire to love and serve is not the God of the Bible because you're not reading your Bible. Church, if we open up the word and have a conversation with God daily and his, find out who he is and these truths that we've been sharing in this series that He is still powerful, that he is still moving, that he's still gracious and today he's still victorious would echo in our lives because we spend time with him. That he's the God Almighty. What is your giant? What is the real giant before you in life? What is still stuck at the bottom of your bag that you continue to live on repeat? What are those things in your life that controls you that you shrink back in disbelief? Come on, church. What are your real giants? Do me a favor. Look at this slide, this next slide, and tell me what you see on the screen. Shout it out. What do you see? A black dot. A dot. I wonder. I wonder why no one said the white space. We're so focused on that dot. There's that dot, there it is. I wonder why no one said, okay, with a vastness of white space around that dot. I believe that's how we see our giants. I believe that's how we live with the giants in our lives. We lose our perspective. We get the wrong picture in our heads what the giant is, and we start zoning in on this small dot, and we call this small dot a giant. And we forget the vastness of God's greatness that surrounds everything in front of us. I wonder why. See, God's purposes, His plan, His power, His authority surrounds our little giants. They dwarf our little giants. He overcomes them. Why? Because our God is still victorious. We need to change our perspective. Here's a little truth that we need to hold on to as we walk through this. Our giants, our enemies, are not people. They may have come from people. The hurt and pain may have come from people. Our fear may have been from something in the past, but our giants are not people. There's this new phone that's out by Google. I think it's called like the Pixel 6. The Pixel 6, I don't know if I'm saying it right, right? The other day that I was actually watching this commercial, and they were you know, going through this commercial and, and throwing all this stuff, why these new features of this new phone puts this phone above the rest. It's the, the phone you need to have. If you don't have it, you're pretty much nothing, right? You need to have this new Pixel 6. Don't buy a Pixel 6. Well, then they're going through the features. They talk about the camera. And they started talking about this camera, like, and this is an amazing camera. It has all these lenses. It can do all these things. And then it says, <laughs> it goes on and says, you can, you, can, uh, you can get rid of all the annoying things. I want to make sure I quoted it that they're right. You can get rid of all the annoying things. Things. And then it puts a picture out there of this couple in a, on the sand on a beach, and it's a beautiful sunset, and it's saying get rid of all the annoying things. And what they do, there were, there were some people in the background outside the people, and they hovered over them, and they erased them. Get rid of the annoying things in your life. And it said, you can just erase people. Friends, that's what our enemy wants us to believe. Our enemy, Satan, the devil, his minions. He wants us to believe that our en- our enemies are people. Get rid of all those annoying people. That's why you stop coming to church because all those people. But when you read scripture, God tells us something completely different. Ephesians six verse twelve. He says, "For our struggle, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms." Right, that is our enemy. Our giants. Our enemy is God's enemy. And he gets into our lives. And he whispers into our ears. He whispers defeat into our ears. And what we need to remember as his children that God has already declared victory over him. We didn't recognize the real giants in our lives and make them meet the God of all creation. Our enemies, our our giants, don't stand a chance against the God of victory. It's a little David. He went to the front lines to see and hear what's happening. And the Philistines shouting, going on shouting. And the king goes on. He goes to the king and he says this in verse 32. He says, let no one lose heart. Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul, the king replied, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight him? You're only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping the father's sheep. And when a lion or bear came and carried, him out, carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when they turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. This uncircumcised uncirc- Philistine will be like one of them because he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord will be with you. let just stop there again. David said, we've got this. Saul said, you don't stay in a chance. And then David, then David looked around into the greatness of God, looking at the space around the giant and says, you don't get it, Saul. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. And let me tell you what he has already done. And I think that's a truth that we need to hold to. See, when it comes to us finding victory over the giants before us in our lives right now, We need to remember the past victories. We need to remember the past victories. We need to remember all that God has done for us, through us, carried us through. We need to remember God's faithfulness, right? He keeps his promises, his unmerited grace in our lives. And we need to remember what God has done. Remember the victories that you have already, God's overcome in your life because of all things Jesus. Take a moment, right here, right now. Think about this. What has God given you victory over? I'll wait. You think. What has God already given you victory over? Not your victories, by the way. God's victories in your life. I mean, come on. Has anybody here ever chased down a lion and caught it and killed it? How about a bear? Has anybody chased down a bear? I know some hunters in the room like, yo, yeah, I chased a bear. I killed it with a pencil. No, <laughs> right? Probably not. Has anybody ever done it? No. I'm not sure if I could outrun a lion. Man, they're stinking fast. <laughs> David didn't run. He turned. I couldn't run. Sometimes I have problems keeping up with turtles. He grabbed it and killed him. Those are God's victories. Those are God's victories. And that's the point. The only reason David had victory, because everything God. And I don't know if you caught it. He said, the Lord who rescued me. Do me a favor, write this down. I don't care if you're taking notes, pull out your phones, whatever you have, write this down. The victory that God has given me in the past is the truth I will carry with me in the present. The victory that God has given me in the past is a truth that I will carry with me in the present. As we come across our giants and they're standing in front of us, we need to remember what God has already carried us through. And he's still the same God. He doesn't change, and he still loves you. And he still loves his church, and he will carry us through. And if you're in this room, and you've given your life to Jesus, didn't God rescue you? Didn't he pull you out of death and despair and give you life? Then you can't tell me that God hasn't worked in your life. You can't tell me he hasn't given you victory. Victory. Where you can stand on the other side and say, "Look at this is what God has done." The same for our lives as individuals, and the same for His church, vertical church. He has been faithful. He has carried us as a church through countless victory to victories. And he will do it again. Why? Because God is still victorious. And then? And then we just simply stand in the victory. We stand in the victory. We recognize the giants and bring them before the, the God they need to meet. We, we remember the, the past victories that God has given us. So we continue to move forward, right? We're still moving because God is still moving. He is messy in the middle, but he shows the other side. And then we get to the other side. We just stand in victory. We point back and give praises to him who carried us through. If you continue to read the story, David grabbed what he knew to be true and stood on the front line of front of Goliath, And he threw down some words of truth. Look at verse 45. He says, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defiled. And this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I'll give the carcasses of the Philistines army to the birds and the wild army and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. And all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear the Lord saves, it is by the battle is the Lord's. It is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. David says you, You giant, you who are my enemy, you who have made God's people shrink in fear, you who doubt the power of their God, I will own you today. I will come at you not on my own, not alone. I come at you with the power of God of Israel and you will die. God is on my side and you will go down and you and your people become food for the wild animals. And I will take your head to signify true defeat. Come on, church. That may be gruesome to think about, to imagine. But we need to grasp hold this truth in our lives. We stand in victory. We need to recognize those giants. Remember all the God's goodness and the victories that we stand in. And we stand and let the Lord fight for us. The battle belongs to the Lord. And let God carry us through this us and this church to victory, taking the heads of our giants that stand before us and proclaiming who God is. We stand in victory. Because God is still victorious. The best is yet to come. Because God is still victorious. He wins every time. And as we continue to live our called out lives, our enemies, our giants, Will want to work overtime. They want to work overtime in our lives individually, our lives as a church. Army will want to work overtime and take us down. Why? Because Satan doesn't want us to be a light of the gospel in Gibson County. He doesn't. He doesn't want us to reach Wabash County with the the, the transforming power of Jesus Christ. That we go over there and proclaim that Jesus changes everything. And don't even think about Boonville and Warwick County because your God's not that big. Garbage. Complete trash. Giant, you don't stand a chance because our God is still victorious. And victory has a sound. Yes! The sound of the church never being silent. The sound of the, the sound of the church never shrinking back, calling on the name of the Lord, because the battle belongs to the Lord. Amen. Come on, Woo-hoo! give it for God. Woo-hoo! He is still victorious. He wins. And our vic, his victory, we have a sound. means we don't, we don't stay silent. We don't shrink back when people say no. We say, look at God. We don't shrink back when people say you can We say, look at my God. When he calls us to do something we don't fully understand, we step on the faith because of who our God is. Victory has a sound. And it's God's people up in uproar about what he can do and wants to do. That this light never goes dim, never goes dark. That we're constantly leading people to Jesus and raising them up in Jesus to go lead people to Jesus. We have a mission. And Jesus made it really, really clear. And we stand with our God in victory because he is still victorious. You know, the other night, Steph and I and the boys, we went to see The Chosen, season three opener. Um, And if you've seen it, you know at the end, near the end, Jesus was sending his disciples out two by two to go share the gospel. And he tells them, don't take a tunic, don't take this, don't take money, just take you and your stick and go out and share hope. That's what I'm calling you to do, calling you to do. And at the end, his motley crew, if you've ever seen the Chosen, these guys are seriously motley crew people. (laughs) They gathered around before they left. And they remembered Psalm 3, and they started sharing it because they recognized what they were getting ready to do and the giants that would stand before them. So this morning, I'm going to ask us to stand. And we're going to read Psalm 3 together. Because I think as we wrap up this series and proclaim the best is yet to come, because God is still powerful, God is still moving, God is still gracious, and God is still victorious. We're being sent. We don't know where we're going. What we do know is we're being sent. Called by God. To share the hope of Jesus. So would you read this with me, Psalm 3? I'll start us off. O Lord, I have seen my enemies. I have many against me. So I am saying, God will never rescue him. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my. I cried out to the Lord. And he answered me, From his holy mountain I lay down and slept, yet I woke up in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. I am not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. Arise, O oh Lord, rescue me, my God, slap my enemies in the face, shatter the teeth of the wicked. Victory comes from you, O oh Lord. May you bless your people. Come on. <laughs> Victory comes from you, O oh Lord. May you bless your people. Victory comes from you, O oh Lord. May you bless your people. May you bless your church. And We've been called out, God. We step out in great faith. Would you pray with me? God, we step out in great faith to follow you. We know it's not going to be easy. We know we're going to stand before more giants in our lives personally, that our enemy is going to want to shut us down and shut us up. But God, victory has a sound. God, victory has a sound, and it's your church, your people. You have called us out. Let us never grow silent. And when we grow weary, let us come to you. That's what Jesus says. He will give you rest for your souls. Hmm. Let us never go silent, let fear hit. The truth of who you are. Let doubt be crushed. Let hurt and pain find healing. Your word says you give us everything we need for life and godliness. And God, we trust in you and your word. And right now, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward. As we're proclaiming victory this morning victory with our God, maybe there's something in your life right here, right now that needs prayer for, that you need your brother and sister in Christ to pull you through the fight and battle. Remember, I think of Moses when he was standing on top of that mountain and the battle was going on and his arms were getting tired and he had his brothers with him. That's why the church is called the body. We're here for you. So if there's something in your life, you need to find victory. Help us bring it, help, us help you come forward and let us walk you through what you're facing. And maybe this morning you're in this room and you have never said yes to Jesus. The enemy's been stepping on you for so long. You thought no one loved you that much. And let me just tell you, he's wrong. God loves you. Jesus loves you. He gave his life for you. So maybe today is the day that you proclaim victory by surrendering your life to him. Make him the Lord of your life. And if that's what needs to happen, come, come forward after service. Walk up and talk to our prayer team. Say, that I'm ready. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. I'm ready to be rescued. I'm ready to stand in victory. And if that's the case, next week we're gonna come back and that light will be on for you. And victory has a sound, and we're going to be praising God for your salvation. God, we give you this day. We give you our lives. This is your church. Thank you for calling Jenny to yourself. Thank you for using your church in an amazing way, that it wasn't a pastor or someone on staff, that your church was investing in the lives of people to come to be part of the kingdom. won't stop. Because you don't stop. You are still victorious. We love you. We worship you. In your son's holy name that we all pray. Church, what do we say?